Let's open the word of the Lord to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 33. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. I want to share a couple of minutes from the theme, Who Will You Put First in the Year 2020? Amen. Who Will You Put First in the Year 2020? Hallelujah. So the word of the Lord reads as follows. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you not, that not even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like, arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your Father knows, your Heavenly Father knows, that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. See, it says seek first. It doesn't seek, seek only. It, see, it says seek first first and all these things shall be added to you so it's not a problem seeking finances for your home seeking for provision the key is seeking God first and all these things added will be added unto you therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble and the amplified in 633 says this way but first and most importantly Seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness, his way of doing things and being right. The attitude, the character of God. And all these things will be given to you also. Hallelujah. Then I'm going to read another verse, the, the Passion Translation. So above all, say with me, above all. Above all. You notice, most importantly, seek first. But it says, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for reminding us, Lord God. For Father, as we look into your word, we're looking into your will. We're looking, Father, into your way of doing things in this earth realm. So we give you the praise for it. Holy Spirit, I pray that you teach us, open up the eyes of our understanding, that we would clearly see what you're doing in our lives. And uh, Father, what is your will, your desire for us in this earth realm? And you desire to provide for all of our needs. Because you do. You meet all of our need according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus our Lord. But the spirit of the world would always tend to, to uh, make us uh, stressed out and worried and fearful, Lord God. But when we look to you, we realize, oh my God, all of our needs are met. All we need to do is walk with the one that has met all of our needs. So Father, we give you the glory for it. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of God. I want to pray for little Henry 
in North Carolina. He needs prayer. Um, Pastor Eileen asked for us to pray for him. Um, so it's important that we pray. It's important that we pray. Every time you pray, you need to understand in the spirit realm, there's an authority and an environment that you carry. Whenever you show up, just by you showing up to a place, the spirit of God is there, the angels are there, the grace of God is there. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. You carry an authority, you yes. carry an anointing. Yes. Yes. When you pray in the spirit realm, that environment affects the entire region. It affects that, uh, the spirits that are there. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and yes. he will flee. Yes. But notice what it's saying. It says, submit to God. Are we submitted to God? Yes, sir. Yes. Then it says, resist the devil. How do you resist? Honestly, how do you resist? What does resist even mean? No, no, let's get more basic. Let's, let's get into that word resist a moment. How do you resist something? I like oppose, because don't accept is not really resisting, it's part of it, but resist carries a connotation of pushing against again. Yeah, pushing it away. It's an active, strong word. Resist is not a passive thing. Resist is, now I'm coming in your face. No, you don't. Exactly, you, no, you don't. When the bully comes, I'm going to see you at 3 o'clock. Go ahead. Why don't we do it right now? You, you understand? Why are we waiting for three o'clock? <laughs> Suddenly the bully goes, whoa, 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 whoa. They, they realize, oh, this guy's not a pushover. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's like when you come to an area, when you come to a place, he knows whether you're resisting or not. Most of us are not in a resist stage. We are in a Worse than passive, almost like a fleeing stage, almost like an afraid kind of position. But, but God wants us to be in the resisting position. Hallelujah. This is where we're supposed to be at. Who in the world deceived you to getting into the passive role? We have to re-engage the will of God in our lives. We have to re-engage who we are. Yes, yes. Are you not aware that when you show up, you show up with presence? That's right. You show up with authority. We are kings and priests. We are ambassadors. A king never shows up without, without the environment acknowledging that a king showed up. A priest never shows up with the understanding that the people say, oh, there's the representative yes. of God. Yes. Isn't that true? That's true? If you see a priest, you treat them differently. I mean, I'm talking about the ones that are doing the proper job, right? I'm not talking about the messy one. I'm talking about the ones that are standing for God. You go there, oh, that's a priest. You gotta give some respect, right? Kings, priests, what about an ambassador? Whenever an ambassador shows up, dignitaries show up. They line up when he shows up. They line up. So when you come in, who's lining up for you? Hallelujah. Heavenly hosts, angels. Yes. And who's running away from you? Who's fleeing from you? Praise God. Hallelujah. So there's a continuing battle for every Christian, and that is to identify and live God's will. 
Live by God's will. Continually reject and renounce the sinful and prideful nature of the flesh. We listen too much to the flesh. We follow too much after our feelings. I keep on saying that, but I keep on seeing it in our lives. And it frustrates me, not in terms of, you know, the way I'm frustrating, you know, this thing, I didn't get to work on time. Not that type of frustration. It's the frustration of seeing God's people stagnant in the same position year in and year out, never growing, never advancing, never becoming who they're called to be. Because they listen to the enemy. They listen to their flesh. They listen to what the world uh, sees as something normal. For us, we are supernaturally natural. Amen. You know, we, we, this is not even really our home. We're just passing through. Romans 7.21 deals with this Adamic nature. Romans 7.21. He says, I have discovered this principle of life. And this is Paul talking. That what I want to do is right. But I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin. That it's within me. Then he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But then he says, but thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. See? But in Christ, God delivers us from that. But... The Adamic nature is still in this flesh. So you'll always battle that. So the key then is to get in such a relationship with God that when the flesh wants to fight you, you're stronger than your flesh, than your Adamic nature. So here are some of the primary issues that we must confront every single day. Say to your neighbor, every day. Every day. So we need to deal with this every day. 1 John 2.16, it says this. 1 John 2.16. It says, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. It's of the world. It's of the world system. It's of the fleshly nature. Let me say it again. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father. So whenever we flow in that, it's not coming from Holy Ghost. It's coming from our flesh, from our Adamic nature. Proverbs 15 says this, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, but he who hates bribes will live. So part of this issue of the lust that we walk with is greed. We want more. We're never satisfied. Proverbs 21, 26, He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. See, notice the difference, the dichotomy. When you're righteous, you're not into this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, greed, and all that other stuff. We give and we do not spare. We stand for God. We act like God. What, how does God act? Well, he died on the cross for us. He loves, loves with abundance, loves with grace, but he hates evil. Right? And that's how we have to reflect. Same thing. So an explanation of each of this. I want to give you an explanation. I don't want you to assume that you know what this is. The word lust is the Greek word epithumia. It's a desire. It's a longing that's inside of you, usually forbidden. Usually forbidden. It's an irrational longing for pleasure. Don't you see it? In sports, we want pleasure and beer and chips. Right? 
Fridays, where do, do the young people want to go? We want to go party. Why? We have this desire of always being entertained, of always wanting pleasure. It's an irrational longing. Why is it that you even want that? Because the flesh desires it. You're not even aware of it. You just succumbed to it. Right? So it's usually sin that reigns in the mortal body. This is, an, this is the essence of lust. Okay? Any desire that controls you, any desire that you live for, that constantly consumes your time and your money. If you don't control your passions, your passions will control you, right? So what's the lust of the flesh? Well, we just finished explaining what lust is, but now what is flesh according to scripture? Flesh has several connotations or several meanings. Flesh, the skin, the thing that's on top of the bone. Yeah, we, we understand that. But it's also human nature. It's human nature with its frailties, its physical frailties, its passions. It also is to be carnally minded. When you're talking about the lust of the flesh, that means you're carnally minded. The unregenerate state. You, you live by that. You don't live by the spirit of God. You don't live by the scripture. You live by what the flesh wants at the moment. You know, that appetite, that desire that's uncontrolled, unregenerate. According to the website, revelation.co, they give an interesting explanation of what these three areas of lust mean. What's the lust of the flesh? Well, the lust of the flesh is the temptation to feel physical pleasure from some, sin, from some sinful activity. To do something to make the flesh feel satisfied. It can involve any type of sinful activity that will bring pleasure to the body. The lust of the flesh can include sexual sins, gossip, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> A lot of that among, uh, you know, church folk, right? You better watch out. That's not God. Physical violence, that's the lust of the flesh. Drug use, marijuana, pills. Oh, they cleaned up marijuana today. Now, it's no longer marijuana. It's CBD. I guess there's some medicinal qualities as long as you take out that stuff that makes you high. Uh, you know, but anyway, uh, that's for another message. Pills, cocaine, alcohol, all of that. Lust of the flesh. The Apostle Paul gives us a nice example of the works of the flesh, many of which are works that we do when we succumb to the lust of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lust. Whoa, that was a good one. That's, I heard that from 108th Street. Salud. That's why I always say, I, I, my wife used to sneeze like this. I used to say, what in the world is that? If you're going to sneeze, sneeze with all of your heart. So now when she sneezes, you're, ah, I go, oh, that's something I can say God bless you too. <laughs> can I get back to my message now? Thank you very much. <laughs> now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, Variance, emulations, yes. wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings. See, it's literally explaining to you what it is. Oh, what's God's will? Read. Oh, God, show me what I need to do, what I need to stay with. Read Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and you'll know. I can't get drunk. Why? The word says so. Well, Jesus was into wine. <laughs> 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 
and we try to use uh, you know, things to justify sinning, but yet when we read the word, we want to gloss over it. Well, you can't gloss over this thing. It's very straightforward. And, and look what Paul says. He says, and such like of which I told you before, as I told you in times past. In other words, he repeated this to them, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We say in Spanish, punto y coma. In other words, amen and amen. Emphasis. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. For those of you that don't believe me. <laughs> so what's the lust of the eyes? The lust of the eyes is the temptation to look upon things we shouldn't look upon. Or to have things we shouldn't have. In other words, it's to cast our eyes upon something with desire or pleasure. Even though God has told us not to look upon these things. The sin of coveting is a prime example of the result of succumbing to the lust of the eyes. We rarely hear of the sin of coveting in today's time. But thou shalt not covet was one of the Ten Commandments that God gave to the Israelites. So if you have a, a nice fancy car, and I don't have the nice fancy car, right? But I do have a car. But I look at your car, then that desire of the flesh. I say, well, you know, she has a better car. He has a better car than me. I should get that car. You're no longer satisfied with the car I gave you. You're in the flesh. And you need to repent. And number two, by the way, they're paying a lot more money than you are. So you want the blessing, but you don't want the responsibility. Shame on you. To covet means to have a yearning or strong desire to have something that rightfully belongs to someone else. See, it's not fair that we have such, or rather, it's not fair that he has such a beautiful wife. I want her as my wife. I'm sure nobody in this church has ever said that. But yeah, we desire things that are not ours, don't belong to us. Other examples of the lost of the eyes, example, pornography, desiring others' material possessions, desiring somebody's status. Well, I want to be like him. I want their responsibility. I want their job. What about their appearance? I want to look like them. All of that, lust of the eyes. Sinful, visual appeal, then wanting it for the sake of visual appeal. Consider the passage in 2 Samuel with regards to King David and Bathsheba, the woman with whom David would soon commit adultery. And it came to pass in an evening tide that David arose from his bed, walked to the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a beautiful woman washing herself. This woman was very beautiful to look upon, 2 Samuel 11, 2. And what happened? He looked upon it, then the next thing he did, that entered his heart, and he requested the woman. She was already married to someone else. As a king, he had concubines. As a king, he had any woman he wanted to. He went after that one. Why? Lust of the eyes. What is the pride of life? The pride of life is a sin sinful temptation for excess greatness of power that we all feel the temptation to attain. Pride itself is one of the sins that God hates the most. It's the sin that made Lucifer, the beautiful angel, turn into Satan, the adversary. Some examples of this particular sin include the following. Desire to give credit or glory for things that belong to others or God. Desiring for others to worship us or to hold us in excess esteem to make a name for ourselves. Desiring to feel valued or more important than others around us. Now, we all are important in our own way. But what this is saying is that an overemphasis of that. We all uh, should feel some affirmation, some value of who we are. You know, I, I understand that, and that's appreciated. You're, you're, 
influence, your investment in your community, all that's, that's wonderful. And for people to value you for that, that's real. But this excess thing, I always want more. I want to be greater. I want to be better. I want to have a greater name. Desiring to feel valued more important than others around us. Desiring to have positions of power over others in a way that puffs up our own ego for the sake of bragging rights. See, that's the lust of the flesh. It's pride. Jesus said that those who desire to be great should be the greatest servant. Consider the, work, the words of Satan himself, who was so filled with pride that he wanted to be like God. See, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's in Isaiah 14, 14. And what happened? God sent them down. God threw them down. Looking at these three temptations in action, for example, every sin we commit will involve at least one of these three temptations. But notice, it'll, it'll, it might include all three. Notice how Satan used all three temptations with Eve in the Garden of Eden. And with Jesus in the New Testament. Eve succumbed to the temptations, but yet Jesus, in his garden, he resisted them. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis 3, 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and the tree was desired to make one wise, the pride of life. She took the fruit thereof, did eat, and also gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. See? You see that, the... the emphasis of all three right there yes. now what about Jesus and when the tempter came to him he said if thou be the son of God command that these stones be made uh, bread lust of the flesh but he answered and he said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God then the devil taketh him up to a holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him if thou be the son of God cast thyself down for it is written he shall give thee angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest thy dash thy foot against a stone. Pride of life. Jesus again said to him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Then the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, the lust of the eyes. And saith unto him, All these things I will give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt wor worship the Lord thy God, and only him shalt thou serve. Amen. Amen. So it's important to note that it's not a sin to enjoy physical pleasure in things which God allows us. You know, for example, God created good food. Amen. God created Spanish food. Island food. Amen. That's what they serve in heaven. But gluttony is a sin. God also created sex. There's nothing wrong with enjoying intimacy with our spouses. But adultery and fornication, it's a sin. There's nothing wrong with looking at beautiful things. There are many beautiful paintings, materials. Creation itself is breathtaking. Is there anything more beautiful than a rainbow, a mountain, an ocean, the stars? Upon these things, God has commanded us to, to enjoy, right? But... What about pornography, other people's spouses, and other people's possessions? He said, don't touch that. Right. Amen. See? So for you guys, guys, any guys here? Yes, sir. God made women beautiful. So for us guys, when we see a woman that's not our wife, who's beautiful, right? We as Christians need to be conservative with that. We need a beautiful woman. All right, let me keep on walking. 
Yeah, because if I say beautiful woman, yeah, I'm a really beautiful woman. But, but oh, my, me, woo, wee. That's, that's, I'm in the flesh right now. I'm in trouble. And, and women know that, and society knows that, and Madison Avenue knows that. That's why they advertise it mostly it's beautiful women. You want to sell a car, put a beautiful woman in the car. Because they understand the power. You know, a, a man can fall at any given time. That's why it's a, it's a sin for a man to go that second level. Got to stay away from that stuff. So I command myself, whenever I get into a situation, I'm not touching it. I'm not going to touch it. Have my wife, that's it. That's it. And number two, and number two for the beautiful women, it's also a sin when you purposefully dress in a way that's to allure right. man, yeah, then call right. the man, then tell the manager, what are you looking at? Yeah, you know right. what they're looking at because you knew it and you dressed that way. So stop being a hypocrite. So in both cases, it's a sin. In both cases, we've got to be careful. The Bible tells a woman, dress modestly, and the Bible tells a man, stay away from that. <laughs> Victor's vernacular. We need to walk cautiously and avoid the lust of the? The lust of the? And the pride of? You're learning. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's nothing wrong in having ambition. Uh, listen, I am a person that I teach on that. I teach we should, I mean, break through. And this year, 2020, we should accomplish a lot more than ever before. Praise God. However, when we fail to give God the glory, when we desire to be praised for others' efforts, when we desire power or knowledge for the sake of puffing ourselves up, now we're getting entangled in the pride of life. We will be tempted in these ways. We will all face, not we will, you are facing it. You face it on a daily basis, one measure or another. We, you face the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. However, the Bible tells us that when we're tempted, God will always give us an escape option. He'll give us wisdom. He'll give us strength. There's, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as in common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above all that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way for escape, that ye may be able to bear it. Now, there are times when you come to the end of yourself. And you know what that point is. Every one of you, you know your point. When I get to my point, I go, God, I need your help right now. I'm at the point where I can't go any further. And I know that. But that's the beauty of it, because God moves in our weakness. He shows himself strong in our weakness. So even when we come to the point where we think we can't go any further, that's just when God's getting started. That's when God kicks in his super to our natural. That's when things that were hidden within us start coming forward. That's when you, you go for a strength or a strength is released that you didn't think you had when you partner with God. So understand, God is there with you every step of the way. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. Hallelujah. How should we respond to these temptations? Well, the same way Jesus responded to Satan. When Satan tempted him, Jesus took the word of God and he rebuked him. We should all have God's word in our minds, in our hearts, so that we can rebuke sin and evil and resist it. Amen? We need to resist greed, a selfish, excessive desire for more of something. Proverbs 15, 27. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. So don't live greedily. You know, yes, strive to be all you can be, but at the end of the day, be content where God has you and where God is taking you. He's with you. 
He'll never leave you nor forsake you. So how do you break the power of each of these sins off your life? Number one, put God first. Remember we read that initially? Yes. Jesus is our example. Before he went out to accomplish his daily activities, he spent first his quality time with the Father and with the Word. And with the Word. He knew exactly where he was going. He knew uh, where he needed to be. He knew the, knew the specific scriptures. See, so he spent time with the scriptures. He knew what the Word said about him. Remember when he first started his ministry? What's the first thing he did? He went literally into the temple. He opened up the scriptures uh, to, uh, to, uh, to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and he shared his life assignment. He knew exactly where it was at. Jesus himself submitted to the very scriptures that now we have in our hands. Why is it that we think we're so big and bad that we don't have to submit to the scriptures that Jesus himself submitted himself to? Amen. So he would always spend time with the Father first. Before he went out to do anything, he was empowered by his daily communication, dialogue, relationship with the Father and with the Word. Amen. We must do no less. And it doesn't make a difference what age you're at. And it doesn't make a difference how long you've been in church. Well, I know the, the best five verses. So I'm good with that. No, no. It's not enough to have, you know, know the verse Jesus wept <laughs> you need to know a lot more than that yes. we need to continually know the word you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free hallelujah he, needed, he knew what he needed to do he quoted the scriptures he, to confirm his assignment and to rebuke the devil and his adversaries number two know the written and living word I said that on purpose. Know the written and living word. As we get to personally know the word of God, we get to know the will of God. We get to know what's right and what's wrong. I just finished sharing with you. If you would just memorize those verses, you'd know exactly what to stay away from. You would know what the works of the flesh are. Yes. And then a little later on, it says the fruit of the spirit. Yes. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. And it tell, go, tells you what is the fruit of the spirit. There it is. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I should know that. I'm the one that installed that. <laughs> I install all of these. So proud of myself. But it, 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 this, is, this is where God wants to be. He doesn't want us losing our patience every single day. We're to live a life of peace. Amen. People walking around angry all the time. How you doing? <laughs> Dude, you're in the flesh, man. Offended all the time. You're in the flesh. You need to live in peace. And these are things you can control. No, I can't control. It's just the way I am. No, it's the way you've allowed yourself to be. You've given license to that. You've given permission to that. You have the authority to stop it. But this is the problem. The problem is the flesh is always, I'm spoiled. I want my way. You got to look at your flesh like a spoiled little child. Honestly, it's a spoiled little child. It wants its way all the time. Never wants to work. Wants everything for free. It wants to be pampered only. I'm getting no amens right now. Amen. That means all of you are in the flesh. 
<laughs> At least all of you are saying, hey, you know, what are you, you're meddling now, Pastor. <laughs> yeah, the flesh wants its way all the time. How about all of you that never, never lose an argument? You never lose an argument. You're always right. You're always right. That's pride. I have to learn that. <laughs> yeah, I have to learn that, that I cannot, win, I cannot win every argument. And I did the perfect thing to learn that. I, I married Gwen. She'll make sure that I don't win the argument. Because she wants to win all the arguments. <laughs> no, no, seriously. It's intense fellowship. It's never an argument. You've been listening. No, no. Listen, we're not going to win every argument. It's just, it just doesn't exist. But if we allow the flesh to have greater ascendancy, then what will happen is we'll respond or react in the flesh. If we allow the spirit man to be built up by the word of God, what will happen is you'll have an internal dialogue. You'll have an internal argument. What will happen? You'll shut the flesh down. No, you're not going to do that. Amen. It's as simple as that. There's nothing fancy, no secrets, you know, five secrets to the best, you know, relationship with God. No, it's there. It's, it's, it's written. It's just us submitting to the will of the Father. What did Jesus do when the cup was about ready to be drank by him? He says, is there any way, Father, can this cup pass over me? But in his, he's talking about it, but he's not talking about it thinking that there was way out. He, it was just a question that he was saying to himself. Yeah. It was just talking to the Father. Is there any way? We know there isn't. So, Father, let your will be done. Not mine. Adam, uh, my husband, come and eat of the fruit. Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't show that there was any resistance. <laughs> He, he, it doesn't even say that the woman is not, not the, you know, the fruit that God said not to eat over the tree that God... It doesn't say anything. She gave, he ate. And that's the way we are. You know, the, the body says, you need to get offended at that. Okay, I'm offended. There's no debate, no argument, no strength. The Bible says that in the day of war, if your strength is small, See, this is the key. You know, I, when I was a teenager, I, I, I took karate. I studied karate. I did. And, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I, I did. And what I found is karate is a succession of dances. Yeah, you have to dance. They're called katas. And what you do is when you're first level, you're white belt. They teach you a dance, and, and it's a choreograph of a fake fight. And you fight an imaginary guy. Boom, bam, boom, bam, boom, bam. You know? Yeah, it's a... Come on, guys. And then, and then what they would do, I told you, I took this stuff, so don't mess with me. <laughs> oh, man. So. Here's the point. Here's the point. I'm trying to make a point. You're gonna get you know. so the, the the point is yeah, it's a dance, and the, and then you go to your yellow belt, your green belt, your brown belt, one stripe, you know, this. But the key is, 
is that they make you repeat the thing over and over and over and over and over again. Then you got to punch. Punch, punch, punch. You got you to punch like punch. And then you learn. And then, and then you learn to hit off the gi. So we learn to hit off the gi. We don't hit each other. We hit off the gi. But you punch 200 times, 500 times, until your arms can't stand anymore. I remember they had me do push-ups to the point where my triceps locked in place for three days. For three days, I could not do this. <laughs> to brush my teeth. <gasps> it was horrible. It was torture. Because this has such a severe pain. But they teach you. And by virtue of repetition, if somebody comes to you, a bully comes to you, hey, yo, yo, man, yo, 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 man, yo. <laughs> That bully, I'm sorry, I'm just, that bully, that bully will be down in two seconds. Because you do a dance on him. And what's the dance? Bam, bam, bam. And within, or, or, or the shin, or the shin. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they are toast. Because you're so trained. Why are you so amazed? <laughs> okay. so, no, think about it. They're so trained, so sensitized that if any, but it's dangerous because if you go behind a person that has studied the martial arts and you, boom, they'll turn around. I've, I've seen this even in, in the internet where people try to scare a martial artist. He turns around, punches them before he even realizes it. And that, that, that dummy <laughs> ends up on the ground, you know, with a broken nose. The point I'm making is they're so sensitized that when the issue comes up, they know how to respond without even thinking. Now let's bring that to the spiritual realm. When you are constantly prayed up, studied up, huh? when you are constantly in relationship with God, you're walking with God all the time, when temptation comes, you know exactly what it is. When counterfeit relationship with God comes, you know exactly what it is because you're so sensitive to it. When, when the enemy came at Jesus, Jesus immediately threw the word at him. He, was, he, had, he had practiced so much. He had set up so much. All the time in private days. David also, by the way. So by the time Goliath showed up, David had no worry, no fear. So who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Let me at him. Let me at him. Will you let me at him? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he practically begged. The, let, let, let me, let, give me a couple of minutes with this guy. I know exactly what to do. I've been planning for this and training for this all of my life. <laughs> so when he goes to Goliath, he toppled the Goliath really quick. Goliath would all <laughs> nothing. He was nothing. This is where we got to get. We've got to get to the point in 2020 that we're so sensitized to the Spirit of God, to the Word of God, that we know God so much that when the enemy comes at us, that's you, enemy. I, I, I can recognize you from a mile away. Get thee behind me. Come on, give him some praise. That's where we have to be. Amen. Praise God. All right, so um, pages quit unexpectedly. 
That's, that's funny. You're just trying to stop my flow, right? <laughs> I was on number two, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, when, so when pages lets me get back in, I'll give you number three. I feel like doing a dance on this computer right now. <laughs> All right, so get to know the written, the, the, the living and written word. So we know the written word, but we also know the living word. Who's the living word? Jesus. We need to know Jesus personally. The more you meet him, know him. How did Jesus put the Father first? How did Jesus carry the cross? You need to study the life of Jesus. How did Jesus respond in critical moments? In the desert, in the garden. When he saw the hungry multitude, how did Jesus respond? When he had to pay taxes, how did Jesus respond? Yes. When he ministered to the Samaritan woman, well, everybody else wanted to attack her. How did he respond in that situation? Yes. What did Jesus say? His words. What did Jesus do? His daily actions. And then you'll have a good indicator as to how you're supposed to live your life. Amen. What does he tell us to do? To seek the kingdom first. To love God with all of our heart, soul, and strength and mind. So if we love God that way, see people say they love God, but do you love God with all of your heart? Your heart is your will, your, your emotion, your intellect, everything. You love him, right? And strength. Where do I give my strength to? What do I give my strength to? What has the priority of my life? My life efforts, my journey. Is God there? Do we love God there? Love, and then it says, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, man. I was good loving God, but now I have to love people too? Absolutely. If you don't love those people, you don't love God. Because he loves them, and that's his priority. That's why he tells us to go into all the world. He, doesn't, he didn't tell us to only go to 108th Street. He didn't tell us to only go over here across the street. To go to all the world. He loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what's the difference between the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh? Well, we read it already. Galatians 5, 16 to 26. So I say, verse 16, I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite to the sinful nature and what it desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Remember I told you the, the battle you have within you? So you're not free to carry out your good intentions, you know, if this thing overwhelms you. But, verse 18, when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Then it goes on to explain everything I shared to you before. So let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Then it goes on to explain that. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Kindness! You live in New York City. It's hard to be kind in New York City. But yet God calls us to be kind. Goodness. Faithfulness. Oh my God. That's part of the fruit of the Spirit. To be faithful. 
No, I'm not gonna go back anymore. Yeah, I'm, I'm offended. <laughs> I have no choice. I have to be faithful. Amen. There are times in the past I've left this place I haven't wanted to return because somebody offended me. But I come back next week. Why? Because I am faithful. Yes, it was snowing yesterday, and I questioned, should I go tomorrow? No, 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 no. But I'm here. Why? Because I am faithful. You're here too. You know why? Because you are faithful. Hallelujah. Gentleness, self-control. Wow. Now, now God's meddling. We also have to have self-control. That's right. Part of the fruit of the Spirit is you develop self-control. I want to do it. No, you're not going to do it. It's, you know, like you're talking to somebody else. Yeah, you are. You're talking to that little spoiled baby. The flesh. No, you can't do that. But you used to do it before. I want it. I want it now, now, now. Shut up. You submit to the will of the Father. Amen. It's a good servant. It's a bad master. Then verse 24, those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed their passions and desires and of their sinful nature to the cross Amen. and they're crucified. They have crucified them there. Hallelujah. Since we're not living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited. A lot of people in the kingdom conceited. Thinking they're better than everybody else. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I don't have to be jealous of you. If you make a million dollars a week, I'm not going to be jealous of you. I'm going to celebrate you. You know, you paid a price to get there. Thank God for you. Amen. I'll appreciate those tithes on a Sunday. <laughs> I'm just talking as a pastor, you know. We're the ones that pay the bills of the other men. Him and I will be the most happiest men in the world. But I'm not going to be jealous of you. Why should I be jealous of you? God blessed you, or you paid the price to be there. Amen. The other day, I, I had a, somebody write to me. I might have shared this with you already. Somebody wrote to me uh, criticizing the fact that I did a seminar, and I charged for the seminar. He says, you're selling the Bible. Yeah, yeah, it was very upset at me. So I responded. I said, you know, did you ever go to Bible school? Did you ever go to school at all? I would like to, I, I would, I'm asking you, which Bible school can you go for free? None. Did you go to Bible college? I'm asking you, which Bible college did you go to for free? And those instructors that were there, did they go for free? How about in your job when you work overtime? Or do you want to just give it for free? Or do you demand your boss to give you time and a half, or at least, you know, your paper, right? And if a pastor writes a book or teaches a course, we know salvation, it's not free, it was paid for already. Yes, yes, yes. But instruction costs because people have to study and prepare to give the instruction. Every single school teacher gets paid, right? Unless they want to donate their time once they're retired or so. No, no, I got a response. You know what's the response? He gave me a thumbs up. Because he realized, he said, brother, you're barking up the wrong tree here. Don't, don't, don't stop. And, and I've had to learn that. You know, we, we have to work and serve, but at the same time, we're going to get a lot of criticism and people get jealous. But there's also a, a, a bad spirit, or, or not spirit, but a bad teaching that has inculcated itself in church. When a person gets a doctorate as a 
accountant, you can expect them to make good money. When a person gets a doctorate or a master's in marketing, you can expect them to make several hundred thousand dollars a year. But yet when a pastor or a leader in the church or somebody is serving in the kingdom gets a doctorate to serving the community, oh my God, he's making more than 30,000 a year? This is ridiculous. That's God's money. Jealous. Jealous. Now I know, I mean, you, you, look in, you, you look to TV and say, oh yeah, but what about those televangelists? You're always going to go to the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in every area. Right. Yeah, what about the bad accountants? What about the bad business people? Right. What about the bad politicians? Right. You're not mentioning that, but in the kingdom, oh, oh my God. No, 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 no. It's, 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 it's jealousy, petty. Yeah. We can't do that. If I see you prosper, I'm going to celebrate that. Just as long as you're not breaking the law. Just as long as you're not Michael Avenatti or somebody like that. Only the people that are watching, following politics understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, you got, you got bad actors everywhere. But those that are honorably working and serving? I had one person challenge me one time because I was making decent money. You know, you should bite the bullet. I said, what are you talking about? I went to school. I prepared. I went to night school for years. Tony, what you're doing? Man, I had, to, I had to work, then do private work, clean windows, clean floors, buff floors, to make enough money to pay the rent and take care of those, those three kids that I had. <laughs> right? Then I had to go to school at night. I did that for years. Somebody, some knucklehead's going to come to me, oh, you, who do you think you are making too much money? What? I earned that. In the kingdom of God, you're going to have people in the congregation that make 30000 20000 Some will make 150000 Some will make 300000 And most, most people go, look, oh, he think he is walking around with Mercedes Benz. <laughs> he thinks he's going to walk around that Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Bless God, if God wanted him to have Mercedes Benz. <laughs> and I look at him and I says, I brother, you don't know what you're talking about. This dude paid the price, or this lady paid the price. Yeah, we should be giving that money to the Pope. <laughs> Let me tell you something. A lot of these people that make more money, they don't say anything, but they give a lot more money too. They give money to uh, you know foundations. They open up foundations and help communities. We just need to do the best we can. And that's where we, that's what Paul said, be content where you are. Now, always striving, Jesus, uh, Paul always strived. But, but he didn't, you know, criticize everybody around him that was, quote, unquote, maybe doing better. You understand? I'm just trying to make a point here that we cannot be jealous of each other. We need to celebrate each other's successes. Amen. And be comfortable in your own skin. No, I might not make what this guy makes. I don't, I, I'm all right. I, gotta, I have to know what, what's, what's good for me. Yeah. Prosperity. <clears throat> prosperity for me doesn't look like prosperity for somebody else. That's right. That's Sometimes true. God calls a man to be a multimillionaire because God has him there to minister in a certain community. Yes. 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 Whereas I might be called to the inner city. Yes. You understand? So my calling is different. My salary will be different most likely. Because I'm not doing what he's doing, yes, yes. but I'm being effective in where God called me to be. Hallelujah. So I need to be comfortable in my skin. I need to be comfortable where God called me to be. Yes. Don't compare yourself to others. Compare yourself to the will of God for you. Yes. Yes. 
Amen. If, if your mother Teresa, where did you spend your life? Yet that was God's will for her. Yes. Her prosperity wasn't so much a financial thing. She wasn't walking around with a Lexus. Well, her name is registered. She's known in history as, as a woman that gave her life and she built up foundations to help the poor and, and the sick in Calcutta, right? And, and th those areas. So the, the key here is stop trying to be them, stop desiring their stuff, and just be the best you that God called you to be. If God called you to affluence, that's all right. But use that affluence to glorify God. If God called you to business, amen. But now use that as your trampoline of ministry. Minister to the businessmen, the businesswomen. You know, just last week, um, I was with um, Christine Hosh, uh, Hosh and her husband. Uh, wonderful people, but they, they own buildings all throughout the Bronx, right? But what are they doing with their affluence? I went to the, one of the buildings where, where they have their offices. They took us to the back. They literally, I mean, they opened up the whole basement of the entire building plus another building. And then they're thinking of opening up other areas. They have a school, after school program for kids. They have computers for kids. And I got there lunchtime. And so her husband, Ed, he says, you know, give me a, give me a minute. Okay, guys, come on in. All his staff had to come because he was about to give them a Bible study. They own the building, and they call all the superintendents and the handymen and the porters to have a Bible study. Hallelujah. And they're the owners. Keep, wherever you're at, minister. Be, be the representative of Christ in that region. Praise God. Amen? Come on, give them some praise. That's what we need to do. Hallelujah. How to break the spirit of pride? Carry more of what God thinks. Instead of what you think or what people think. We got to get to that point. We care too much about what people think. What about what God thinks? I prefer to have him think well of me than what people think of me. That's how we can break the spirit of pride. Go before God. Say, God, help me. Open up the eyes of my understanding that, that I might see the areas that might, be, uh, that might be walking in pride. And the spirit of God will reveal them to you. How do you break the spirit of greed? Be generous. Go against counterculture. Be generous. Give. Help others. Your time, your talent, your treasure. If you don't have a lot of treasure, you do have treasure. It's called time. Invest in other people's lives. Open up your home. Do a small group study. Uh, you know, take care of, of that child every once in a while for, the, for your neighbor so that she can you know, go work or something. You, there's, there's so many things that God can show you. And only God can show you because, see, he knows how he made you. And so there are strategies that belong to you that nobody can teach you. You'll be able to get them. You'll be able to receive them in prayer, Amen. meditation. How to break the spirit of greed? Be generous. Be faithful in your giving. Look to more than just your needs. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's why even ourselves as a church... The, the beginning of the month, we, we, we come back to God. We make sure. That we, we even fast. We, we take some time before the Lord. God, help me in this year. I, I give you this first month. And at the end of the month, we even give a first fruit offering. Yeah. We take a, some. We don't tell you what to give. All of us give. My wife and I, we also give an offering. 
It's a first fruit offering. The Bible says the first fruit offering releases a blessing upon your household. Hallelujah. And we do that. We practice that as a church. Amen. Do other people do it? Maybe not. But that's just, this is something we do to just come against that spirit of greed. Amen. Someone once said that the tithe is the, the great equalizer. Why? Because everybody can give a tithe. Mm -hmm. it, it, you, you, a millionaire can give a tithe, but a person making 20000 can give a tithe too. Are the amounts different? Yeah. But it's still a tithe. Right. You see, so we be responsible for, for us. Amen. And so what we do as a congregation is we check these areas first of the year. And so we're still in the first of the year. This is still January. So it's still a time to reflect. Year 2020. Somebody said 2020 sight. Other people, it's, it's the year of the hands, where God's hands get involved with humanity. Because the Hebrew, um, the Hebrew word for 20 is hands. So it's like double hands. And so here we have a, a time where, where God is going to release uh, ability to see what to do with our hands in, in this year. But whichever year it is, the key is to go back to God, to put them first. Say to your neighbor, put them first. Amen. Everything we do, because after all, we belong to him. Say it to your neighbor, you belong to him. And we do. And we do. And we do. So let's love him with all our heart, our mind, our souls. With everything we have. With everything we have in our hands. Let's make sure he gets the glory. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen.